Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Richard Porter. I'm Johnny Smith. And this is Smith & Sniff podcast in which two friends talk about cars and this week James Bond. I was talking to a mate of mine the other week and um, he has this belief that all actors who've played James Bond get to keep the cars from the movies that they were in as James Bond. What? Um, Yeah and I I don't the thing is I I don't think he's joking. I think he sort of secretly believes it. And then, he's, you know, when people do that thing where they go, oh, no, of course I'm kidding. Uh, well, it's like that. He's, I think he really sort of secretly hopes that it's true. But it, I started thinking about it. I was like, well, now, hang on. Who got a good deal there if that was true? Lazenby yeah. only gets one car, but yeah. it's yeah. an old-school 60s Aston DBS. and I like that DBS. Yeah, I like that DBS. They're nice, aren't they? They I like that um, shape. Yeah. Yeah. I I I actually prefer that shape controversially to a DB5 or 6, but that's just me. No, do you know what I do as well? And I just think it's a more muscular car. Yeah. And I actually like that four headlight grille on the DBS. I think more than than the you know, they changed it to the single headlights for the later V8. They used to call it the V8 Saloon, I think, didn't they? But it wasn't a saloon. It's a coupe. Um, it was, yeah. But, yeah, no, that DBS, I think that's that's an handsome car. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, Lazenby gets to, to take one of those home, bullet hole in the screen, but otherwise intact. Well, windscreen is a consumable well. item. Exactly. Fine. I mean, also, let's assume he got to take it home in the late 60s. I think parts supply would have been pretty okay for, <laughs> for that. So he's okay. But, you know, he only did one film, so he gets one car, but it's a good car. So lucky, lucky George Lazenby. Um, and uh, he had something nice to remember his Bond days by... Uh, his Bond day? Bond day. <laughs> did they do the whole thing in a day? Yeah, yeah, really low budget back then. Um, yeah, they just went, oh, we need to film an action epic film, but we've got 20 hours to do it in. Yeah. Um what what struck me is then you get to um then you get to the bonds who who had a bit more of a work ethic and decided to stick around. Hang on, we're we talking about um Irish bloke. Brosnan. Uh, Brosnan Piers. Well, Brosnan. Now, yes, yes and no with Brosnan. Okay, because you got the seven fifty IL. No, because it's all smashed up. It drove, it oh, drove yeah. off the top floor of a car park. So yes, he's got a seven fifty IL, but it's banana shaped. Yeah, but salvage. You know, it's still money in salvage. <laughs> Do you think he went? Okay, I reckon I'll, it's I'll still. Take it. But he's having it reshelled. He's very breathy, but it it sits in his back garden next to a compost heap under a really shabby tarp. <laughs> and you're going, That's you the going to do anything with that no, totally I, destroyed? I, I just I, I haven't got around to it. Um, <laughs> I think he yeah he's he's putting off the 750 project again. Um, he's yeah. he was never very happy about the Z3. No, well, no. 
got a bum deal there. You know, I'm James Bond. Brilliant. I'm gonna, I'm gonna really nail the part of 007, and I might get to take home a car. What car have you got in this film? Oh, for fuck's sake! I've got so, a two. Li- is it a two liter? I think it might. I think it was a one point nine. Oh yeah. Can't even quite stretch it to two liters. That's not Bond spec, is it? No, it's Ryan Roadster. (laughs) (laughs) But at least it still works because all it basically did was sort of drive through a field and then some CIA agents popped up. It was a really underwhelming car all round. It was an underwhelming, um, yeah, car moment for Bond, I feel. Whereas, for your eyes only, for your eyes only had the old indestructible 2CV, right? This brings me to um, Roger Moore and the cars that Roger Moore got to take home. Now, it seems on the surface that, you know, Roger did quite well. But if you think about it, he's got... So so picture, I know he's no longer with us, but picture uh, when he was still alive, Sir Roger Moore's driveway in... I think he lived in Geneva, didn't he? Um, I think, yeah, a Monaco. No, he lived in Monaco for a good uh, while, okay. didn't he? Oh, he probably lived in both of them, Rich. I don't bloody know. That's, but, hey, that's reminding me of, there's a mutual friend of ours who interviewed Sir Rog in Monaco uh, for a TV show. Really? And they agreed to meet on the quayside and do the interview there. So they've set up, they're all ready for him. They've got the camera set up, crew are just waiting around. This mate of ours is directing it, so he's there and he's a bit nervous. And then suddenly along the quayside comes this vision in stridently coloured trousers. I think they were red. And it's so Red? Yeah. Uh, well, oh, he's very that's... much a blazer and trouser combo kind of bloke in real life, isn't he? Certainly in his yeah, later years. Yeah, he was. And what, what's the what's the... Uh, what's the next scarf? It's a cravat. He he's a cravat man, wasn't he? Was he cravat? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're saying that, and I'm assuming yes, because of course, Sir Roger Moore and cravat goes together like Sir Roger Moore and some beautiful slip-on shoes with a sort of gold <laughs> detail buckle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I I I think he went well with the nau- the nautical blazer, which had undertones of military service, high end yes. military service. Um, yes, I mean it's not just your common a garden yacht twat blazer. It's like a proper sort of. It's like, were you in the navy, submarines, maybe? Uh, yeah, might have been. Um, <laughs> so, in the he, same way that Sterling Moss always had a lot more um, sort of jewellery jingle than I ever expected. Yeah, a lot of jingle. Um, pour one out for Sir Sterling Moss. May he yeah. rest in peace as well. That was some sad news. It was very sad. I was a bit. I felt a bit bad because I was slightly flippant. I wrote. I. I, I put a message on Twitter because I never met. Did you ever meet Sir Sterling? I, I did briefly. Yes. Everyone I know who met him said he was really nice. He was a charming guy, and I've spoke to him on the phone before I ever met him. Him and his wife, and they just their landline. She just picked up the phone and then passed <laughs> me over to Sterling. It was just so normal. But uh, yeah, he was a really, really cool guy. And I know this is nothing to do with James Bond, but um, what what I love the most about him is that he was he was so um, unashamedly interested in cars that were fit for purpose. Just because he'd driven powerhouse motorsport cars, he still loved his smarts and he loved his twizzy and he loved you know that he, he was into all sorts of little cars because he lived a city life didn't he yeah yeah i was going to say he had smarts so he was sort of quite an early adopter of smarts i think wasn't he, he? was 
Yeah, he was. He was. I think he was an ambassador of Mercedes anyway because of his his um, SLR days. But um, that's pretty I'm, cool, though, that he's an ambassador for Mercedes because you know he did some good driving and stuff for them. And he did some I, fairly fast driving. They said to him, "So, Sir Sterling, obviously, as a valued ambassador of the brand, what? Uh, which which of our of our fine cars would you like?" And he went, "Smart, please." Yeah. Right, you don't want a 500 SL? Nope, just a no. smart. That'll do me nicely. That's, that's actually pretty cool. That's why he was the dude, in many ways, aside mm. from the driving talents and aside from the fact that he was a, a real gentleman. Yeah, who, well, that's who, what I kept who, hearing this week from people who actually knew him, or last week, was that he was really, really nice. And he was really nice with people who actually didn't know him, but, you know, journos who had to go and talk to him. He was very yeah. generous with his time and... Uh, there's a fantastic story from a guy that we know. Do you remember the, the old um, Mercedes PR guy, uh, Rob Halloway, who now works in is their marketing boss? And he mm, yeah. knew uh, Sir Sterling and his wife quite well. And he wrote a lovely blog on the Mercedes website about it. And um, one of the things he said was that there was a there's a story that uh, Sterling Moss tells. I can't remember which story it was, but he told it to this guy Rob and then later Rob saw him speaking and he told the same story again and then Rob saw a video of him from years ago telling the same story and he said "Still, that, that's not a new story that is it but I can't believe when you told it to me it sounded like it was the first time you said it and uh, and Sully Moss went well it was the first time you'd heard it Rob and so he just you know like that's a man who's putting the work in he's not just phoning in the anecdotes he's like I'll give this the oomph it requires to make yeah. it a good and entertaining story for someone who's not heard it before. And I just thought, well, that's, I mean, from a sort of broadcasting point of view, that's professional. But from a social point of view, that's just somebody who's still interested in people. And I think that's probably the more telling thing. I think it's because he he was one of the first racing drivers to have almost a bigger career out of the seat than in the seat. Yeah. Because... He quit while he was ahead because I think he realised he was probably going to die as yeah. a driver, but realised that there was ways to make money and uh, 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 and stay relevant out of it. And 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 I got so much time for him because he 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 realised you could you could monetize all of that, but not in a not in a horrible way, not in a kind of brash way. Um, but yeah, I, I have to say he was he was very cool. He was a very very cool guy. He did once say to a friend of mine who was trying to book him for something and, and the, the Sterling came back with a fee, which was you know, quite chunky. Um, I think my <laughs> friend said, oh, that's, that's a bit more than we've really got to pay. I mean, you know, it's probably like twice what we could actually pay. Can we, can we, can we negotiate this at all? And, and at some point in the negotiations, which were done with, in, in the sort of gentlemanly way that you would hope, but apparently um, Sterling Moss actually said, Look, my name is all I've got, old boy. And wow. you realise that's it. Yeah, he had to use his his name and his his reputation to um, to earn a living for yep. decades after he'd stopped racing. So, yeah. Well, anyway, so I, I just I was worth diverting because I just thought I was really it was really sad news, and I felt bad because I was a bit flippant on Twitter, and I said um, I'd never met Sterling Moss, but I had heard him speak at events quite a few times. And uh, he always used to somehow manage to slip in a reference to Crumpet and be slightly slightly sort of ding-dong Terry Thomas about things. And it, it used to make <laughs> me laugh. There was one, I went to a Jag thing. It was like the opening of a 
Maybe the opening of the Jag production line at um, Solihull for the XE, and, um, and and he stood up and it, you know, of course, I've driven Jaguars for years and many happy memories. And I say one thing about Jaguars is always you, they were they were crumpet catchers, and you could see the PR people suddenly going, "Oh, no, oh no, world media's here, ladies. and he's, he's gone no. off on a crumpet avenue." But I just thought he was um, he was incorrigible in that respect. It just it just never changed, which is great because. He lived in a in a in a, a world that most of us can only imagine. But well, yeah, totally, totally. Anyway, there um, we go. You know so, what? Yeah. I would love, I would love to find um, an ex Sterling Moss um, smart car that's still out there and f- with bet. his name on the V five, especially if it was a roadster. I think he had a smart roadster. Did he? Oh, I, I think he, he had a roadster. The, the uprighty jobs. Ah. I might be wrong, but I would love it if I could find one that he'd owned in the past. Just a regular one, doesn't have to be anything special, but just to know that it was it was Sterling Moss's smart, I just think that's brilliant. I reckon it would be in good nick as long as the next people had looked after it, because I bet he was a good, sensible, smooth road driver. I could be wrong, maybe you absolutely threw the crap out of them. But. I, as we all know, the um, early smarts, gearboxes were unforgivably slow and i do wish that the one mod that moss made to his to, to his smarts was he just took it straight to hewland or quaif and had a sequential <laughs> box but with a really tall wand in it for like really inappropriate city use so he just smashed you know clutch clutch to go into first and then just smash through smash the gears, it back back yeah. back 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 you're into sixth within, um, I don't know, 40 yards away from the lights. Um, you have to remember to knock it down to first as you come to a halt, old boy. Otherwise, you're in terrible trouble. You are in terrible trouble. Yeah. Just popping out to get some milk. <laughs> it sounds like it's really going fast and then the spark slowly goes by. But it's just tearing through gears. <laughs> He's had the final drive gears made really oh, loud. Incredibly somehow. short geared so that it can just absolutely... So, yeah, he's, into, he's, he's definitely into sixth before the end of the muse. Oh, completely. Anyway, well, that, that, that was worth diverting just to say. I, th- I thought it, it, was, it was very sad about that. Let's go but, back um, to bond, bond, Bond's cars. Well, Are we talking Bond's B-side cars? Hang on. Cars? So, well, first of all, I was going to say, yeah, so this, uh, you know, I was going to say this This mate of ours, I, I don't think you knew about this, but he, he interviewed Sir Rog on the quayside in uh, Monte Carlo, and he's got proper old school manners. So he walks down the quayside, he arrives at the film crew, they're all a bit like, oh, Sir Roger Moore's here, but he's with Mrs Moore, or Lady Moore, oh, whatever. Yeah. And... So our Glamour mate, the director, yeah, and, and our mate, the director, goes, uh, oh, uh, Sir Roger, welcome, thank you, thank you for your time. Uh, I, 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 I Liz, and this is the cameraman, and this is a sound recordist, and this is our uh, researcher, and he's uh, all a bit, you know, wittery, and, and, and Rog stands there listening, not saying a word, waits till our mates shut up, and then just says, gentlemen, my wife, Christina. And I thought, that's beautiful. <laughs> That's old-fashioned manners, that. Introduce that the lady first. So, um, yeah, but Rog, Sir Rog's driveway, sake of argument, it's the Geneva house, or the Swiss house, the one where he lived when he used to bother David Bowie in the 70s. <laughs> and, yes. Um, he, yes. He's got one white Lotus Esprit. It's all wet. So that's mm, that's Okay. 
what as in it smells a bit fishy it's got it's got wet weedy. yeah yeah a bit, a bit, no yeah, kelp a bit you're like kelp that's been sun-dried it's horrible it's really horrible <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> somehow it's fishy even though it's not just because it's been near fish yeah and it's, it's salty and ugh. salty nonsense salty nonsense um so yeah that's that's not great he's got a brown esprit that's exploded so that's just a shell again project that he's never got round to well you know the original submarine car got found didn't it in in where, where did they film it in bahamas or somewhere it got found oh, yeah in, about, about about 15 years ago it got found in the undergrowth um, wasn't it near, or was it found in a shipping container or something they just like it had just been dumped somewhere and yeah uh, was it that the was one that the elon submarine- musk bought I think it was the one, but that car used to live in Cumbria at the Cars the Star Museum. You know that strange museum in Cumbria that was on the back of a bungalow owned by yeah, a dentist? Yeah, whatever happened to that museum? Because well, it guy, closed down, didn't it? Yeah, I tried to um, I tried to do a thing with the guy just before he closed. He decided to retire and um, instead of selling the cars off individually, all the cars got put through... A, uh, they got shipped to Florida and they got auctioned in the States because I think he was going to get more money for them all. And most of the cars ended up staying in America, I think. Oh. Um, the Mad Max, because he had the original Mad Max car, he said he used to get weekly death threats, letters, from car enthusiasts in the States, Ford car enthusiasts, who said that car should never have left Australia. I mean, Oh, my really. God. <laughs> I thought you were going to say <laughs> weekly death threats from Mel Gibson. Where's well, my car? I mean, yeah, I mean, Mel's been through some rocky times. I'm sure Mel probably. <laughs> yeah, Mel's back on the source and, and sending death <laughs> threats to a Cumbrian man. Um, I, that's interesting. I never knew that. Does that mean that yeah. someone in America owns Del Boy's van? I think it might be. Uh, yeah, I have to. Fu- I have to look up what happened to that museum. It was a cool place, though. Really, it had some unbelievably good cars. I never went, and it's, it, it always struck me as. But I saw what was in there, and it was always like, yeah. "This is legit." You know, there's some proper kind of like, like the Mad Max car, you know, original movie cars that other bigger museums would have paid good money for. Particularly like in America, you know, where they sort of got a bit more cash, perhaps. Or, yeah. or you know, someone like uh, Universal Studios might have wanted some of the cars from Universal movies to put on display but instead some bloke in Cumbria's got them which he um, did the deal on loads of them like as soon as filming had finished and yeah was just yeah. hanging around the set just or, yeah. or just behind the behind the tape behind the cord well, going, when, you know, when, when, when you're done with that <laughs> um uh, just I'll, you know I can, mm. well the 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 the, the Fiori's only two stunt two CV cars one of them was kept by Citroen mm. and the other one was bought by a man in Leeds called Nigel Wilde who still has it how do you know this? And he lives in um um he lives in an old church because he's cra- he's, cra- he's, he's crackers and I interviewed him once. <laughs> you could you know you could be making this up and I wouldn't know either way. No, it's true. In fact, I wrote a feature all about this was a long time ago. I wrote it in Practical Classics magazine all about Bond's best B-side cars. So not none of the Astons, none of the really heavy hitter sports cars, but all the B-side toss that was <laughs> driven by people. And um, one of them being the, the Fiori's only 2CV. And yeah, it, the main stunt car lives in Leeds. Nigel Wilde bought it off Pinewood Studios. Uh, um, the stunt man who, and builder of the car was Ken Shepherd. And um, 
This is yeah, good knowledge. It had the, the flat four GSA Citroen engine, so yeah. that it could go much quicker. It had a fuel tank that was a pint of fuel. Really? It only carried a pint of fuel. It was just a, a bare minimum stunt tank, apparently, for when it was doing the big jumps and like the Jeez. smashing through olive trees. And yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's. Um, do you know what? Uh, another mutual friend of ours, um, Jason Barlow, is writing a book about Bond cars. Is it? And yeah, he's been working on it for ages. I think he's finished it now. He's been doing it for ages because he told me he was doing it, and then I just kept hassling him to make sure he included uh, all of those B side ones that you're talking about, which which he was anyway. But I was I'm just sure being a was. nuisance. I just irritated him for a while. That would be a well, great. Book, it's definitely got a Renault 11 in it, right? And yeah, it'd be great. No, I can't wait for it to come out. And you know, Jason's a great writer, and he'll he's he's put his a lot of work into it because he was like, it's really boring to do the you know. The ones everyone knows, the diving is spring, the DB5. It's like a bit more fun to go. Now, let's get the background on that GTV6 that Roger Moore stole in Octopussy. One of um, the cars, I'm sure it was my favourite Bond film, Live and Let Die. I am sure that Roger Moore, when he first goes onto the island and just pretends, he doesn't he pretend he's with his newlywed wife and he's on his honeymoon? They drive a, their hire car is a 1963 Chevrolet Impala convertible, I think. And I actually think that's one of the coolest Bond cars ever. It's not a proper Bond car, but it is, if you know what I mean. What, because it just... It just because he them. sat in it and drove it, therefore it's a Bond right. car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, if you take that to its nth degree, there's loads. There's, there's, you know, probably if you went back through some of the, the 70s ones, there's a bit where, you know, Roger Moore briefly drives a maxi or something but it just doesn't get the credit that it deserves well of course man with the golden gun with all those amc cars what was bond driving then was he driving an amc matador or an amc hornet uh he Um, does he i can't remember now because he's chasing the man with the golden gun and he's about to do the barrel roll stunt. Oh, of course he is, yeah, because he does the barrel roll in an AMC, doesn't he? He does the barrel roll in an AMC Matador, I is think. It, or is it? Or, or, is, a, the, or is Man with the Golden a, Gun in the Matador? A, yeah, I think it's... Um, a Hornet. Yeah, is it a Hornet X or something like that? Yeah. I don't know, American... But AMC Blanket sponsored all of those cars. Yeah, they did, they? didn't they? Because it's, like, it's shot in... Where is it shot? Where? Um, it's shot in Slough. Yeah. Was it? They just did a lot of green screen. <laughs> no, I don't. That's it, because they're definitely driving on the left in the movie, and and the AMCs are all left-hand drive, and it doesn't quite make sense, but uh, that's the power of product placement for you. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought of that. Because Doctor No, which was the first Bond film, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm saying that slowly, because I'm trying to double-check in, in my case. mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but no, there was that, that first that... one, James Bond Goes to Dorset, where it was a bit slow. <laughs> generally isn't considered canon anymore because doctor no there was no aston was no. there no there was there was an, a sunbeam alpine oh uh, yes convertible which is strictly speaking the very first bond car on screen hey you see I that think. doesn't get much credit does it no hmm. and you see they're actually a nice car and still not worth a great deal and doesn't he get chased on a mountain pass by um some some guys in a pre-war LaSalle hearse, I remember, which is LaSalle was a name that got bought up by Cadillac, so it became a, a Cadillac, but it's like a pre-war hearse. Well, and LaSalle the bought by Cadillac or Chrysler? Oh, bugger. Hang on, Richard. You're, no, not, I'm you're, just... you're shoulder barging me now. <laughs> I don't know. Do I don't want, know. I'm, I'm just I mean, drinking coffee at home. Just Sorry, I've put unnecessary pressure on you now. 
Um, Can I check? Maybe it was a Mopar purchase. Uh, well, anyway. So well, no, we, we no. What do you mean anyway? No, we're looking no, no, you're it up. right. I know factual Going to look it up no, right now. LaSalle. But I was going to say uh, this brings me to Connery's Connery's warehouse of Bond cars that he was allowed to keep would have. <laughs> <laughs> some beam alpine in it quite nice obviously it's got a silver db5 in it which you know that's almost like his pension um and then he's got a a mustang mac one that oh. miraculously drives on two wheels and then flips onto the other two wheels in of course in, in the world of poor continuity yeah what what what, what film was that wasn't you only live twice was it was it no which was, one was that? that oh god I just watched the other night that um, episode of Alan Partridge where he eventually shouts at the other people, stop getting Bond wrong! And I feel like we're now doing that. Because I could never... I think people... I like, I like a Bond film. Uh, but I always think there's a threshold above which if you like Bond a bit too much, then... It um, takes I, the shine off it. Yeah. It becomes too it's, intense. Is that what like you mean? It's like people or? who are too into Star Wars or tennis or... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cars. Oh, no, wait, not cars. Because... <laughs> Have you found your LaSalle answer yet? Yeah, it was it was a it was Cadillac. It was um, it was manufactured uh, by General Motors. Sorry, I've, and I've, that's I okay. I just for, I, I, for yeah. false this is pedantry. What, this is what Smith and Sniff podcasts are about. It's getting it wrong on air, <laughs> and then and then writing those wrongs immediately. <laughs> and that is what our listeners command. <clears throat> well, on that note, I've just looked it up. The uh, the Mustang uh, Mac One was in Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, that's right. Which I always used to call Diamonds Are for Heather, which was one of my mum's friends. And we always used to when <laughs> Diamonds used to, Are for Heather. Heather. They glint in your eyes when you touch them. Yeah, uh, What's your favourite Bond tune to sing to yourself for no reason? Uh, probably Living Daylights. No real reason. It? It's just that. Yeah, I don't know why, but I've, I've, oh, if, okay. I, if I was if I was caught unawares softly humming to myself while cleaning the kitchen or something, then it would probably be sort of living daylights or view to a kill. I think it's more that it's the kind view of view to a kill is good with the, lots of orchestral hit keyboard. Um, yes, but uh, sound effects. Bam. With bam. Bam. Dun, bam. Dun, dun, bam. Dun, 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 yeah. Dan. 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 Meeting you with the view. Maybe. Now, 
um, in the style of a cabaret singer. Happy to face So, uh, yeah, no, I was going to. I was going to say about. Uh, we're going back to Sir Roger Moore's Geneva driveway, which has got a wet Lotus, a burnt out Lotus. Uh, <laughs> An Alpha GTV6, a stolen GTV6 on it. Is it permanently wet? Yeah, like so you can't, just can't shift the can't shift the damp somehow. It's like, it's, oh, um, that's great. You could get in it and go, bloody hell, Roger, you want to get some silica gel in here? It's like a creepy uh, sculpture that sometimes apparently cries blood. You know, like one of those things where, where people go, oh, yeah, that's totally haunted. It's constantly wet. Nobody yeah. can dry it. yeah. It's it's been over forty years. How is the esprit still wet? I I simply don't know. There must be some <laughs> moisture traps somewhere inside. <laughs> and again, he keeps meaning to send it back to the factory. They'd probably do him a solid and rebuild it for for a you know mates rates kind of price. But uh, he just never gets round to it. So it sits there, and of course, it's always steamed up, so he can never use it. Oh, awful condensation! But then, it's, like you said, it's just full of silica gel. The 2CV, I imagine, works, but is incredibly battered, so it's, you know, it's a little bit dinged up, and it's probably... Christine didn't like it. Yeah, she's... Christine. Oh, gosh, just, just sell it to that man in Cumbria. No, it has sentimental <laughs> value, and it was a gift. It would be rude to sell it on. And um, <laughs> so, instead, it's that's his sort of daily driver, because at least it works... Because then next to that, there's half a Renault 11, which is of no use to oh, anyone. I would love to build one of those. I have to say, <laughs> I've I've I've, I've, genu- I've thought about this so many times of just bu- buying an MOT failure that's got a bit of back end rot and going. I've got a solution here. Relocate the fuel tank, chop it off, put some very small um, caster style wheels on the rear. Um, number plate on the back, stunt um, four four point harnesses on the front seats. Boom! I reckon I could get an MOT on that. Does any part of the British MOT test stipulate that the car must have had must have the same number of wheels that it left the factory with? No, I don't think so. I don't I think, think it does just, either. I think you could put one wheel on the back, and as long as the tire is legal, I'm not sure it would need a handbrake. It would need a handbrake, uh, the operable handbrake. Or, I don't know, some of the Surely. some of those French cars have front front handbrakes anyway, so maybe it was all front. Because it's like that um, weird quirk with spare tires, where it's like if your spare tire is bald, uh, that's an yes. MOT fail. But if there's no spare tire, they can't fail you for it. And I know this uh, because I learnt it. The, the, but when the spare wheel on my old Ford Ka was stolen, because it had one of those underslung spare oh, tires, you know, like, just... like a Peugeot. <laughs> Someone nicked it. Yeah, just nabbed it. And um, it was just before it was due its MOT. Because the spare wasn't bald. It was brand new. That's why they nicked it, I guess. But I was like, oh, no. it's gonna. I'm going to have to get a new spare straight away because it's got the MOT tomorrow. Mm. And then yeah. I realised that if there's no spare, that's not a fail. It's just not there. Because that was just around the time when lots of cars were suddenly coming without one. Um, so maybe if uh, they go, right, let's check the back axle. Oh, there isn't one. Oh, well, we can't fail you then for worn brakes on the rear axle if you've taken it off this Renault 11. <laughs> you I, well, look, strange man. <clears throat> Two stories here, quickly, to, to just go off on another kind of siding. Um, first one, when I was at college, um, a guy we used to hang around with in town who ran a scrapyard 
in a, a few towns away called Greasy Mark. Greasy Mark. Yeah, honestly, Greasy Mark, shout out to Greasy Mark. He's a very cool guy. Oh, very clever. Sense. He just used to build. Every Friday night, we'd go out on the town. There'd be some street racing and things. He would always bring a different car. He had a Jag V12 trike. He had a Mark II Escort van, which he which had three other cars stacked on it in the scrapyard. He'd one day got bored and lifted it out, hammered the roof back out, and put RS2000 running gear in it, which he just found, and it was so quick and dangerous. But then one day in the summer, he, he phoned ahead and said, you're going to hear me before you see me. Um, watch Sea Guys tonight. He bought an XR3i that had had a massive rear-end shunt, and he chopped it in half behind the front seats and did exactly what I just said. He put a one wheel on the back. He put a trailer board light set up with a piece of plywood behind the, the seats. And he put uh, racing harnesses on it and drove it into town. And it was so fast because it was half the curb weight. Yeah. It flew. It actually flew. And the, the fuel tank was relocated to the footwell of the passenger seat. <laughs> So you had your feet on the fuel tank, but it was so good, and it cost him about forty quid. You just reminded me of something. Um, when we were doing the the grand tour with the tent and the what was it second series where Amazon were really insistent that we should have celebrities on, I and remember that have a track again, and yeah. we uh, ended up with those um, Jag F types, but before that. When we, and it had a sort of gravel. It was going for a sort of rallycross vibe. But rallycross, that, I remember. Yeah, we were just going to have a smooth tarmac track, but it was quite small, and we were trying to think of what to do. And we had built a prototype of exactly what you're describing, except without the back wheel. I think it just had casters on it, like sort of yeah. heavy duty casters, made out of an Alpha, an Alpha one five six. I think it's part of the joke was it was half a Romeo. And we did a load of oh, tests. Gosh. Half we did a load of tests with it, and we got the presenters down to drive it. This was filmed as well, just for, for, so we could watch it back for internal use. But so the footage exists somewhere. But we got the presenters driving it, and then we got some people from the office, including like people who are sort of you know production management things who, who would never claim to be experienced or good drivers, just to see if someone who wasn't a particularly experienced driver could could handle it and the answer was no it was i was going to say the was answer was universally <laughs> no it was so bad even i can't remember if we let abby have a go in it but i think we had another we had another couple of racing drivers that we used to use just for sort of precision driving a camera cars and stuff and we let them have a go in it and even they struggled because it was it was they just span like a top so quick so yeah so quick. and sort of alarmingly quick and noisy and with a sort of white spirit bottle in the passenger footwell of as the fuel, fuel tank because obviously the, that's right the back's gone um yeah, yeah. i've forgotten about that but it was it was it was a dumb idea as it turns out because the car was lethally undrivable and we were about to ask actual celebrities to get in it uh, so that yeah, that idea got binned off. Well, but can I can can we put this request out? There? I mean, obviously Jeremy Clarkson's listening to this. And obviously James May and Hammond and all the producers that you've worked with, they're obviously all subscribers to this podcast. But um, can we see some of that footage? Can we regurgitate it? Just put it out there. I think it would be great to see it. Well, do you know what? I, I probably I've got it somewhere because it would have. 
I don't know, actually. That's a good point. Can you get it? No, I, I probably wouldn't because we'd, we'd moved to a remote viewing system <clears throat> by that time. But anyway, yes, oh. it, it, there is footage because there's footage of... I just remember there's footage of some of my colleagues from the office kind of screaming as the car rotated. In fact, I think it might have got to the point where Jeremy had a go and he couldn't complete a lap of this little track, basically a go-kart track that we were going to use. Because it was too... Spinning without spinning, yeah. And Jeremy's a good driver, but he's just—it was like I think and it was his idea. So there came a point where he just had to go. Right, that's not going to work. And well, we, where where does the car live now? Was it just weighed in? I don't know. Probably. I mean, it was yeah. a—it was what I generously call a prototype, just to see, just to get the idea, you know, shaken down, if you like. And then I think we would have tidied it up a bit for filming but so it was just just a 156 that had been spliced it was like the cheapest 156 we could find on also trader or ebay or something so yeah um anyway we digress i was going to say actually talking though of of, of spliced cars well you know um it would have been in the late 80s after view to a kill came out with half a renault 11 in it that some neighbors of my parents neil and audrey mallion they were from Yorkshire. Always, the house was always too hot for some reason. Neil and Audrey. Neil and Audrey. And yeah. uh, they were like posh Yorkshire from Harrogate or somewhere, but, uh, but yeah. living in Cheshire. The house is always too hot. It's very un-Yorkshire. Yeah, it's weird. The house is always yeah. really hot, really hot. Anyway, um, they had a Renault 11 that they bought secondhand, and then it came to light that it was a cut and shut. And oh. they discovered this because one day Neil was washing it. It was silver, I think. And he was washing it. And some of the paint started coming off the back, revealing blue paint underneath. And then he sort of started digging into it and found that it was two cars welded together. But I wonder, oh. maybe it was an ex-View uh, to a Kill stunt car that they <laughs> just spliced to a blue one that had a frontal impact. I don't know. It was Just remind me, was View to the Kill where, what, where they were in Venice with the gondolas? Or was that Octopussy? That was Octopussy, wasn't it? We're getting Bond wrong again. I think that was Octopussy. Was he? I'm, I'm yeah. getting my latter-day um, Roger Moore Bonds mixed up. View to Kill was Roger Moore's last one, wasn't it? And where he, he was 104. He was 104, and there's that great bit where he has to run up the Eiffel Tower by the steps. That's and true. And in the wide shots, it's very obviously a stuntman because they're much <laughs> thinner and faster than Sir Roger. And in the close-up shots... It's a wheezing old man in a corset. No disrespect to Sir Roger Moore, who I bloody loved, and he is, I think, my favourite Bond because you know everybody loves the yeah. Bond of their childhood, don't they? But um, me too. Me but too. he is—he is visibly knackered. <clears throat> Although that's also because have we talked about this before? Um, that that Roger Moore couldn't run. He's just a, he's just a, had no technique. He couldn't run, and when when he did what was his first movie? Um, uh, uh, Live and Let Die, I guess, wasn't it? Live and Let Die, which is my favourite, yeah. And he said to Guy Hamilton, the director, before they did a sequence, for the first sequence where he was supposed to run, he went, oh, I'm Guy, I warn you now, I can't run. And Guy Hamilton went... What do you mean he can't run? Well, that's the thing, Guy I Hamilton went, well, of course you can run. And at that point, he's quite a young man, relatively, and he just went, of course you can run, Roger, what are you talking about? No, I'm telling you now, Guy, I can't run. <laughs> uh, just, look, you can just run, it's a very brief shot, it was that bit in the, you know, when he goes to the little airfield and he nicks the plane and biffs the wings off and stuff. Yes, and he's got to run. I think they're shooting at him, and he's running. He's got to yeah, run he's away from airside. them. Yeah, airside, yeah. Mm, good lingo. And he, so they go, okay, we've got the shot set. All you've got to do is run from the hangar there to, to you know behind that plane. There. That's all you've got to do, Roger. Go on, I, I, guy. I've told you, I can't run, but okay, I'll do it. And he, he so <laughs> action, and then he's just a sort of flailing mess of limbs. 
And he doesn't look Sorry, like a secret a, agent at all. If you can hear in the background, there's a military plane going over. Oh, really? It's not my, it's not my doing. It's not my kids or my wife. We've it's had that. a military plane. We've had one of those yeah. ruddy huge C-17s go over and a Hercules. It's like the RAF have gone, what, no other planes? Brilliant. And they've started just dicking around. It's, I love, it's crazy. I love Hercules. They're, They're like good, the aren't they? Faithful. Yeah, there's something very. I think they share a quality with the 747, which is there's something quite noble about them. They look yeah. like hardworking planes that don't make a fuss about having to work hard. It's the the Hercules is the sort of voxel omega of the air. <laughs> it just, it just, it just, it just I got on with it. It just got gets on with it. It's a pretty well put together car. It's just it doesn't get a great deal of credit. It just cracks on. You when know? you've said it's more like the transit of the air. Okay, yeah. Okay, what tra- transit connect or full or long? No, full size. No, full size. Classic transit. Although I realise I've just said right. it wrong. Of course, it is transit. Oh, I was going to say what you're talking, I talking I about. Talking about. Talking about. What? Anyway, yeah, so Roger Moore Polter, uh, couldn't run. You're going to meet me at seven, round the back of Macabingo. You're going to be in the transit. I like, Rob I like the idea as well. Scorp. You, you, you ask someone to come round and just sort of mend some stuff in your house, and they, you go, yeah, listen, mate, I'm going, I'm going to get the, the big ladder out. It's, it's out the front in the Hercules. I'm sorry, the what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I chopped in the old transit. I've got a, a, a four-engine propeller aircraft now. <laughs> With no wings. <laughs> yeah, if I had to take the wings off. Got inspired by uh, that Bond movie where he, he knocks the wings off the plane. Uh, which, yes, I, I, that Roger Moore couldn't run. He, he's just flailing just, arms. Um, I'm, it's just passed me by that has. How well, though, go and watch that film. Go and watch that, that, that sequence okay, in that okay. film again. And watch what happens when he has to run. He runs behind some luggage carts so you can't see his arms and legs. And that that's why you, you don't see Roger Moore running for any great distance in any Bond film. Uh, and I suppose why, even on the steps of the Eiffel Tower, where he was also old and tired, it, 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 very, it cuts in just as he's sort of coming to the top of a flight of stairs going, oh, rather than <laughs> having to see any any sort of a wide shot where, where, the, where the, you can still see his face. And they're very, just do very wide shots and they get a stuntman in to spare his blushes. Do you know, I... Um, by the way, I realised that saying Juno really quickly mm. is, 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 is is very Essex. Juno. 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 And um, Ryland Clark Neal's very good at Juno. Just starting sentences with Juno. I don't know how you spell... <laughs> how do you spell Juno? Is mm. it J-A... No, I think it's N-O? D-J-N-O. Oh, it's D-J. Or D... Right. Would it be D-apostrophe-J-N-O? Juno. No, maybe not. Right, Okay. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Do, do you know? But I, I, the reason why um, I said this is because I, I, I wanted to ch- change the subject. Well, I'm watching a lot more films than usual at the moment, and um, my wife's quite into the Marvel stuff, mm. and I'm not. And um, she put one on the other night. She'd already started watching it. I'd had to do Carol doing some work. I walked in the lounge, sat down. I realised it's fucking boring. <laughs> really. I mean, it, it does nothing for... It's just stupid, just overlaced CGI bollocks. I just could not get my head around it. And it was Avengers Assemble or something. 
And okay, I don't mind it in dribs and drabs. I don't mind a little bit of Tony Stark here and there or whatever. But were you sitting there just going, this is rubbish, there's no Avengers in it at all? Oh, that. do you know what? That's when I had my light bulb moment, Rich. I sat there and went, Avengers Assemble. Right, it's 50 years of the Hillman Avenger this year. It's the 50th anniversary. Is it? Let's do a documentary on rebuilding an avenger let's call it avenger assemble let's do this let's do this i i sort of feel like this is this um no this is not a headline leading leading of documentary it's not that is it not no, okay. it's you, not, you, think just, you think the subject matter has enough integrity that the the, the headline is okay absolutely there's no way that it doesn't good there's there's right, no well. way but then I was trying to work out: would I rather would I rather watch just sort of overly complicated storylines involving superheroes disagreeing with other superheroes, which I just think is pointless because, like, the whole point of superheroes is they help other people, right? They don't like bicker. That's just shit. Well, uh, well, I mean, it's probably come on. The, the, the argument is it's giving them more of a human quality because they are, after all, just like us. And although they have superpowers, they also have our frailties and failings as well as uh, their their incredible abilities to save the world well, I don't know no, I'm just had, spitballing they've all here. had troubled upbringings I get that but we we can we can gloss over that in 25 seconds it, are you saying you want your superheroes to be really really superficial that they just um, yeah you know just sort stuff out and then fuck off I think I think I think like Thor I think Thor should ride a, like a really 80s um Japanese impersonation of a Harley Davidson, for example, with a big sissy bar on the back and horrible graphics. With I with denim, um, denim denim waistcoat on. Off the base, <laughs> off the back of this, I'm sort of curious, with a, with a but at the same time frightened of the idea of. Did he has a dream catcher? Johnny Smith's Marvel Universe, in which well, Tony Stark, Tony Stark, clearly. Instead of having a suit that goes around himself, it's he just clicks his fingers and it's just an indestructible Hillman Avenger with lots of technology in it, and it can it can change into other stuff. So wouldn't it be more like a, an old like a Volvo two four five? Yeah, actually, it probably would. Thinking about Swedish it, Swedish Iron Man, Swedish Iron Man, he'd be way more laid back, way more than 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 start. <laughs> yeah, very. He'd do more. Public works. Um, yeah, it'd be less brash. In a sort of very Scandinavian way. Yeah. yeah, a lot less brash. Very comfortable with nudity for some reason. <laughs> What's uh, when he was out out of his Iron Man suit slash Volvo. I'm actually seeing Volvo two four four. I think yeah, it's sort of somehow earlier. cooler for for Iron Swedish Iron Man. Yeah, but yeah, his Iron Man suit is just a reinforced but quite standard looking. Uh, late 70s Volvo saloon 244 yeah I could see that I could see that I think there's 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 legs to this I really do I, th- I think there is write it up and if he's um, if he's Swedish and happy with nudity does he just when he's driving does he just wear a t-shirt but actually nothing else beneath that so when he gets out of the car <laughs> when he gets out of the car you go oh Tony I, I, I think you might have forgotten some other you stuff you forgot to put your, your Bottom bits. So I think no. also he does a lot of his his layer rather than that sort of very dark and um, high tech layer that Tony Stark has. He's got a sort of beautiful, very glassy, but a lot of light pine sort of um, <laughs> kind of 
lodge style house and then he swans around that in a robe which he he never quite ties up properly. <laughs> oh the cord he lost the cord unfortunately probably yes in a fight and he's just <laughs> never did, replaced it I don't know where it's gone it's maybe in the boot of the Velvo what's his name Sven Stark or um... yeah or, or just yeah Stark with two A's in it oh or yeah Starkson. very nice Tony Starkson yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Well, we've—I mean, just casually like that—we've just—we've uh, just come up with a new movie. We've just changed so, the yeah, whole. So. I mean, suddenly I'm interested in the Avengers slightly. Yeah, there we um, go. Jobs are good. Well, yeah. this feels like uh, probably quite a good point to wrap things up. Also, I've got another call now with um, Pierce Brosnan. I'm going to go over when uh, when I can and help him stick two halves of a BMW Z8 back together. So. <laughs> With what? With specialist aerospace glue, as used by Jaguar and other car manufacturers. Don't have any of that. Uh, got some Pritt stick. <laughs> Should be fine. Good. At least do some contact adhesive where Piers does one side, you do the other side, you wait for 15 minutes and then you push it together. With yeah. straps. <laughs> Keep pushing, Bronzman! Keep pushing! I'm pushing as hard as I can. Yeah, you drink, drink a bottle of Merlot while you're waiting for it to go <laughs> off. He he talks really breathily about his, his days as um, Bond and how he took the money for Mamma Mia but really shouldn't have done it. But if you're standing either side of a ZA, that's going to be tricky because they're quite wide and you're having to go, could you speak up a bit, Piers? I can hardly... You're too breathy. I'm, I'm speaking as loudly as I can. This is as loud as I go. I can't... That's a bit Liam Neeson, that, isn't where it, does, actually? Where does, where does Piers live? Where, where does he really live? He lives in Highgate, just up the road from me. Is that true? Sorry, was that a factual answer that you're after? He did, because you used to see him in one of the curry houses up there. I didn't, but people did. People. People talk. <laughs> that's people that's talk great. On the street, yeah. Piers Brosnan lived in Highgate. So he didn't live that far away from uh, Brent Cross Shopping Centre where... Where they filmed he, that Remote Control 7 series that, chase, yeah. yeah. All right, lads, so I, t- I'm going home now for the evening. Look after the 7 series, won't you? Because Kobe's promised it to me. <laughs> You've done what to it? Oh, for fuck's sake. You dirty little... Oh, you little... I'm not very good at Irish accents. Well, good to talk. Well, thank you ever so much for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to subscribe, please do. And give us some positive feedback because it makes us look good. Please, you're more than welcome. We can't pay you, but do it. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.